Isaiah chapter 11. Have you got your Bibles? Find Isaiah chapter 11. And we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we thank you for your word this morning. Just open our hearts to hear. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and to do what only you can do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 11. You don't know where it is, it's in the Old Testament. <laughs> After Ecclesiastes, or Ecclesiastes, and before Jeremiah, we go. Isaiah the prophet. Verse 1 to 3. Has everyone found that? Okay, just read that through. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will judge, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And it goes on and on. This is a, a mis, what they call a messianic prophecy. So Isaiah's prophesying about the coming of Jesus. Jesus came from the stump of Jesse. Who was Jesse? Jesse was the father of David. And we know that Jesus came from the line of David. And the royal authority of the house of David had lain dormant for 600 years. From this time, when David was king, the 600 years had basically been dormant. And when Jesus came as king and Messiah, and when Jesus came, he was like a new green branch coming from apparently a dead stump. That's what it's talking about there. That out of the dead, out of the stump would come the seed or would come... Well, that branch would come Jesus the Messiah. Even though it looked like the dump, the long dead stump God brought back and brought it back to life. You know, sometimes you chop a tree down and you just got a stump and you think it's dead, and then you'll see like a new branch spring up. You've all seen that, haven't you? I've got one at home like that. Chop a tree down, the stump's still there, you think, oh that'd be okay. And lo and behold, next minute you see these new shoots coming out of the stump, and you think, oh that stump's supposed to be dead. Well, that's what it's talking about. Jesse's was David's father, and out of that came the Messiah 600 years later. And so this is a prophecy about Jesus. And it really talks about the spiritual empowerment of the Messiah. And really it's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus at his water baptism. He says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And we know that at baptism, when Jesus got water baptized, the Holy Spirit came on him and rested upon him and remained on him like a dove. And that was the Holy Spirit. And that was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so this is an amazing passage because... What it does, it gives a clear, clear description of the person of the Holy Spirit. It's about all about his character, his function, and why he came. And just to remind us that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. He is the third person of the Godhead. He's the very breath of God, co-equal and glory and substance and essence with the Father and of the Son. And as a person, he is knowable and was sent 
to Jesus and rested upon him, and then he has been given to the church to fill God's purpose on the earth. The only thing that's stopping the world from imploding and restraining evil on the earth is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit left the earth tomorrow, the earth would turn into utter chaos and evil. It would be over. And so the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit in the earth, is the only thing that's restraining evil and keeping things fairly on an even keel, right? If the Holy Spirit left, say goodbye to the earth. It would be all over. Goodbye, good night, we'll be all gone, right? And the earth would just dissolve. So the Holy Spirit is active in the earth. He is the person. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is fully God, and he is the one that administers the kingdom of God, and he holds the earth, in a sense, steady. And so if he left, say goodbye, it's all over. And the Holy Spirit has been given to the church. It's been given to you and I. And the church is where God's people, with all our faults and weaknesses, is where the Holy Spirit longs to dwell. Everything that God accomplishes in this earth is through his people by the person of the Holy Spirit. The question is, do you know him? Is he your close friend? Because he is a person, he's part of the Godhead. And that's why we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit has come, and you can know him. He can be your best friend. He wants to be our best friend. He wants to fill us. He wants to overflow our lives. Everything that God does is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son. Jesus came, Jesus died, he rose again, he's at the right hand of the Father. Then he sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is here to administer the kingdom, to bring the kingdom to reveal God. The main job of the Holy Spirit is actually to reveal what Jesus is really like. The Holy Spirit works in our lives and he reveals who Jesus is to us. He makes Jesus real. He takes everything in here and he makes Jesus real inside of our hearts. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Everything that the Holy Spirit does is to glorify Jesus, is to lift up Jesus, is to reveal Jesus. And so we talk about the Holy Spirit, but he's often he doesn't want to be the focus. Everything he does is to glorify Jesus. Everything he did, everything that he does in our lives is to reveal Jesus, what Jesus is really like. If you want to know Jesus, you get to know the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals Jesus within our lives. And he wants to be our friend. And so the question is, do we really know the Holy Spirit? To follow Jesus well, we have to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, remember, he said, I'm pleased that I'm going for your sake. When he was on earth, he said, I'm going, I'm leaving, and the disciples got depressed. He said, you're going, what do you mean? You're the Messiah. He said, I'm going, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die. And we know the story over and over again, they couldn't get it because they couldn't grasp the fact that this was the Messiah. What are you talking about? You're going to die. And he said, it's better that I go because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And so it's better that I go than I can send him. And you won't be orphans because he will be with you. In other words, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the God, he's not less than the Son. He's not less than the Father. He's a person. He has a personality. You can know him and he wants to know us. And say, so I'll go so the Holy Spirit can come. And we know the story at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. For Jesus is only Lord of our lives, really only to the measure that we respond to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. That's important. For Jesus is only Lord of our lives, only to the measure that we respond to the leadings of the Holy Spirit, because he lives within us. And what's interesting in this passage is seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And this is what rested upon Jesus. So when you read the Gospels about Jesus' life, you see that he moved in all these seven realms because the Holy Spirit came on him and remained on him. And so everything Jesus did, he did by the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. He did by the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
because the Spirit was on him without measure, the person of the Holy Spirit. And here we have seven, if you like, characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And of course, seven is a number of fullness and completion. Firstly, it says there, he said, the Spirit of the Lord, he has the Spirit of the Lord upon him. It says there, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. It's not a false spirit. It's not a deceiving spirit or even the spirit of a man. Remember one time that Jesus rebuked his disciples. Remember, they went to a town and the people rejected Jesus and they left the town and the disciples said to Jesus, shall we call fire, come down from heaven and burn them all up? Pretty loving, weren't they? And Jesus turns around and says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. In other words, they weren't speaking from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was just their own human spirit. But he said, you don't know what sort of spirit you're operating out of. That's not of me. It's so funny of the disciples saying, oh, we're going to call fire down. So obviously knew about Elijah in the Old Testament. Let's just call fire down. Lord, burn them all up. Smash. Let it consume them all. And he said, you don't know what sort of spirit of you are. In other words, they were operating from their human spirit, but they weren't operating from the power of the Holy Spirit. Then there came a stage where the religious leaders claimed that Jesus drove out demons by the prince of demons. That's a funny story. Well, it's not funny. It's quite sad, really. But let's go to Matthew chapter 12. And just keep your finger on Isaiah there. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. This is a quite a... I know it's a funny story, but it's, it's quite sad, really. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man. This is to Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. They brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, in other words, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So in other words, when Jesus healed that man, they said, oh, it's because he's got the prince of demons in him. In other words, he, he healed that person by demonic power, not by the spirit, but by, by demonic spirit. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do you people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive demons out by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Oh, and so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or to come. That's pretty like, whoa. In other words, he said, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, there's a point where you can never be forgiven. What that means is if you begin to, when God moves and begins the things to happen, and you, you say, oh, that's of the devil. In other words, you, can't, you start a equating what God's doing, oh, that's the devil's doing that, so that's not God. It's interesting because John Wimber had that problem all the time when he was ministering, John Wimber. The power of God would come and people would do all sorts of funny things and people would come and say, that's not of God, that's the devil. And John used to say, well, I don't really know. Let's wait and see. If they get off the floor and they love Jesus more, I'm happy with that. That means as far as I'm concerned, that's God. And then one guy was so angry because someone was laughing on the floor and he said, that's not of the God. He was going, Arr! and John would just look and he said, well, I'd rather have that person laughing and full of joy than your anger. Your anger is not of God. 
What's wrong with the laughing? If he gets off the floor, he loves Jesus more. I'd rather have that than you. See, be very careful when the Holy Spirit comes and then we begin to attribute to the devil. I remember years ago, I'm the first, one of the first went to a Baptist church and it was only about five people and then we first went there. But there's an old pastor there and it was quite an amazing story. But basically what happened in the charismatic movement came, it was quite a full church. And so people started speaking in tongues and he preached against it. That's of the devil. And so he got up and preached against it and he said, if you speak in tongues, that's of the devil. And so all the people that spoke in tongues, he drove them out of the church. And so he basically halved the church, okay, because he was against it. But then the funny thing about it, his wife and him got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And so next time they jumped up and said, it's off today, it's for today. So the rest of the church left. And so he ended up with about five people. <laughs> so basically, but there was a point where if you keep going down that path, it becomes a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You can't be forgiven. And I don't know where that line is. I think you have to, it has to be pretty bad. But if you keep saying the work of the Holy Spirit, that's of the devil, there's a point you cross. And only God knows. And um, You know, it's who knows. But be careful when the Holy Spirit comes because sometimes he comes in ways that look really strange and that will offend you. Because I've been in meetings with Wimber. You think, oh, my goodness, if people came here, it's like a loony bin. Right? People are screaming, people are spinning around like helicopters, flip-flopping on the floor like fish, rolling around the floor. And you think, oh my goodness, what is this? And it's easy to say, oh, that must be the devil. Careful. Because there's a line you cross if you keep going and you keep saying, oh, that's the work of the devil. It's not the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happened here because he, Jesus was casting out demons. He was healing people. And they said, oh, you're casting out demons by the prince of demons, Beelzebub. They're saying, in other words, the work of the Holy Spirit was of the devil. And Jesus said, if you continue down that path, you'll never be forgiven. It's interesting, isn't it? You can say things against Jesus and you'll be forgiven, but if you speak against the Holy Spirit and say it's of the devil, there's a line that you cross. And so just be careful. It's interesting, isn't it? That's how precious the Holy Spirit is. He's quite sensitive. And so if you want to just be careful when the Holy Spirit turns up. Don't go running around. Because that's what normally happens when the Holy Spirit comes. People say, that's the devil. That's not of God. It's just like you need to hold it, okay? Because there's a danger. It doesn't mean you throw your head out, but you discern things. But you've got to recognize, okay, if that's the Holy Spirit, it's fine with me. I'm not going to accuse the Holy Spirit of being the devil. Well, that's demons, because there's a line you can cross. So Jesus had the Spirit of the Lord upon him, and he had it without measure. We only receive, I think, in a measure, but Jesus walked in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And it came upon him, and all these characteristics were manifest in Jesus' life. When you read the Gospels, you see it over and over again. But the thing is, that's been given to the church. The Holy Spirit comes and he fills us. He fills his body and that we can begin to function in these areas because it is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, first thing it says there in Isaiah is that the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of the Lord, and then he says the Spirit of wisdom was upon him. Interesting, isn't it? The Spirit of wisdom. Let's go back to Isaiah 11. I'm going to sit there for a while. The spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit of wisdom was upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. Jesus was perfectly wise in all things. Jesus did not just have wisdom. He was all wisdom. What's wisdom? Read Proverbs. But wisdom is this. It's knowing what to say and what to do in everyday situations. That's what wisdom really is. In other words, we have the Holy Spirit, and so we can ask for him to give us wisdom. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to discern a situation and receive an understanding on the right course of action. It's like it's supernatural wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, and he will give you specific things. And so 
we need to be open to the Holy Spirit to come. So, you know, you can be in your work situation and you're facing a difficult situation and you don't know what to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and he will come because he is the spirit of wisdom. And he will give you wisdom to know what to do, what to say in every situation. And you will know it because it'll be like just the right thing. The religious leaders would come and try and trap Jesus, but he answered with such wisdom and they went away shell-shocked because of the wisdom how he answered. You notice that? You read the Gospels. Many situations, they try to trap him. And the answers they gave, they were just dumbfounded. They said, never seen such wisdom. Why? Because Jesus had the spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit was on him. And so he was able to ask the Holy Spirit to show him. He knew exactly what to say, what to do in any situation, anything that came along. But the thing is, we have the same Holy Spirit. And so we need to often, we need to be asking all the time in your work situation, in your home, with your children, any situation. If you don't know what to do, ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, you live within me. You are the spirit of wisdom. Give me wisdom that I may know what to say, how to say it, and what to do in the situation. And, and believe that he will show you, and he will begin to speak to you, and he will give you the words to speak, and he'll tell you exactly things. I, because I've had, I've had many testimonies from all of you over the years. You know, you're being in a situation, and you've asked for wisdom, and it's like you've had the right words to say. You know exactly what to do in that situation. And it's just worked out. Everything's just like, because that's the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants to do, because we have the Holy Spirit. That's why you, you need to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit, because he will speak to you, and give you wisdom. You'll know what to do with your children. You know how to respond to your children. And so we need to be continually reminding us. So sometimes we just don't ask. We say, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom here. I don't know what to do. And he will abundantly supply it to you because he lives in us. If you have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom can come upon you. And he will speak to you and show you quite clearly. Do this. Don't do that. Speak this. And when you do it, see, one of the things I notice often that the Holy Spirit speaks, we don't believe it's the Holy Spirit. And so we don't walk in obedience. See, the difference with Jesus is that Jesus was so submitted, he was totally submitted to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. And so he never missed anything because he was in total tune with the Holy Spirit, but he was totally obedient. And so he walked in wisdom. Everything he did, he walked in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So they could never trap him. He knew exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it. He knew exactly what to do in every situation. But the incredible thing is that same Holy Spirit's available to you and I. We just need to learn to ask him, but also to be obedient to what he says. Because often he, will, he will give you the things to do and to say. And you'll be amazed. In your work situation, we should be people that have the answers. And so you're in a work situation and no one knows what to do. If you have the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom and he will give you strategies. He will give you words. You'll know exactly what to do. And people say, how did you know that? It's the Holy Spirit because that's what he does. Amazing, isn't it? The Holy Spirit. We need wisdom every day. And I think, as I said, we miss it because we just don't pause long enough to ask him to give us wisdom. And I'm sure everyone of you has got testimonies where you've had wisdom like that. You've been in a situation, you're saying, oh, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And suddenly a thought will come, an idea. Don't dismiss it because nine times out of ten it'll be the Holy Spirit. He'll just whisper to you, say that. Just do that. Don't do that. Do this. He'll give you specific directions, specific guidance. Listen. And the key is to act upon it. It might sound strange. Act upon it, and you'll see the fruit of it. But sometimes it'll be the opposite of what you think. Secondly, it says you have the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, and the spirit of understanding. In the Hebrew language, 
It has the idea of a sharp sense of smell. Isn't that fascinating? Understanding. A sharp sense of smell. This is not talking about understanding in the natural. It's supernatural understanding. Jesus had a sharpness of judgment and smelling out religious hypocrites. Read the Gospels. He always knew the hypocrites. He always challenged the religious Pharisees because he had a spirit of understanding. And it's really, it's associated with discernment and revelation. It's a knowledge that comes and it brings discernment and it brings revelation. In other words, it's just not talking about natural accumulating knowledge. It's not that. It's beginning to know the ways of God. And you'll have like discernment. You'll have understanding. It's knowledge. It's supernatural. The Holy Spirit will give you understanding. You'll be in a situation and you'll just see things and he'll show you things. He'll show you things that are going on that gives you understanding. It's incredible. It's interesting because it says in Psalm 103 verse 7. We'll turn there. Just keep your finger in Isaiah. Psalm 103 verse 7. It's an interesting little verse. I'm sure some of you read it because it says, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. He made his ways known, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Moses knew the ways of God. In other words, he had an understanding of the ways of God. The people of Israel just knew about the deeds of God. In other words, if you look at the people of Israel in the wilderness, they saw the deeds. They saw the miracles. They saw the Red Sea open. They saw the signs and wonders, the, all the miracles. But you notice something? They still went astray. And it says, Moses knew God's ways. You know God's ways, it keeps you on the right path. And so often we want the power We want to see the signs and wonders and the supernatural, but that won't keep you from going astray. Moses knew God's ways. And so that's to do with understanding. We can have the Holy Spirit. We can ask him, Holy Spirit, show me your ways. Give me understanding. And he will give you supernatural understanding how to move and to follow his ways in every situation. It's interesting because in Ephesians, Paul prays that, and we've talked about that. He says, I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. In other words, a spirit of understanding that you may know Jesus better. That's what I said at the beginning. The main reason the Holy Spirit comes is that he may reveal Jesus to us. And you can only know Jesus by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's not by more learning. It's not by, let's say, more reading. It's not about trying to get all this understanding in the natural. You can study and study and study and still not meet Jesus. It's the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know Jesus better. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words... Your heart will be flooded with light. That's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will flood your heart with light and he'll give you understanding. He'll give you revelation so you may know Jesus better. You may know his ways. You know how to move with what God's doing because that's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not just our human logic. Then it says there that he had the spirit of counsel. Wow. The spirit of counsel was upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit has perfect counsel to give us at all times. He is the perfect counselor. He's called the counselor. The Holy Spirit is able to correctly instruct you and to advise you. Again, I've heard many testimonies from you, from many of you, how the Holy Spirit has given you specific instructions in different situations, the key is obedience. I've heard some of your testimonies. I'm, I'm just staggered. You know, you've, you've prayed about something and God says, 
And the Holy Spirit comes and he says, do this, do this, and do that. If you just do this, this, and that. And the key is you have to be obedient to it. I've heard your testimony. I think, wow, that's incredible. See, the Holy Spirit is the counselor. If you ask him, he will give you instructions. He will tell you what to do. The key is you have to learn to listen and trust that. And obedience is the key. That's what I mean. The key to moving in the Holy Spirit is really being just being obedient. It's following the promptings when he comes because he lives within you and he's always willing to speak. The key is, are we really willing to listen? And when he tells us to do something, will we do it? That's the key. Because I've found, heard many testimonies where, you know, you, the Holy Spirit's spoken to you, but then I realize, um, well, how come heaven obeyed? Well, I just thought it was just me. Well, or I just didn't want to obey. It's like, wow. And then you wonder why your life gets in a mess. If you go back, you'll notice the Holy Spirit's probably told you, if you just do this, this, and this, and this, it'll be okay. And then we go to the opposite, and we wonder, what's happened? Oh, I can't understand what all this is happening. If you go back, you'll probably find the Holy Spirit's given you guidance, given you specific instructions. Just be obedient, because he is the counselor. That's why he's come. Amazing, isn't it? It's incredible what God has given us the person of the Holy Spirit. Then it says that the spirit of power was on Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, power was the main reason the Holy Spirit came. He gave what the disciples power. We know that. He says, remain in Jerusalem until you receive power from the Holy Spirit. What did it do? It turned them into bold witnesses. And the ability to demonstrate the message with power. And it's an interesting word because it means strength, boldness, bravery. Some of us need to be brave. Well, part of the reason the Holy Spirit comes is to give us power to make us brave, to stand. Boldness, authority, to be skillful in battle. The Holy Spirit, at times, we forget as a person of war. Did you know that? He comes as the Holy Spirit of war because it says that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, what? To destroy the works of the devil. And when the Holy Spirit comes in power, often it's to do war. That's why when the Holy Spirit comes in the meeting sometimes, demons start screaming out of people because he's here to declare war. And when he comes like that, whoa! Demons start manifesting. People start getting set free because the Holy Spirit is a God. He is a spirit of war. And when he comes in power like that, it's to set people free. But he's given us that power because we don't have the power. We can't set anybody free. You can spend 10 years trying to counsel somebody. They'll never get free. But when the Holy Spirit comes, bang, they get set free just like that. But that Holy Spirit power is available because that's why he came. The disciples received power and they became full of boldness. And we talked about that. One of the keys of being, if you're really baptized in the Holy Spirit, is that you have power. It transforms you into something else, that you're full of boldness. You can declare the gospel with authority without being afraid. It gives you courage. Jesus had the power to do what he desired to do. Interesting. Jesus did nothing until he received the Holy Spirit. 30 years old, he got water baptized. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and then he started his ministry. See, many people would help if they could, but are powerless. Others might have power, but don't care enough. Jesus moved in perfect love and perfect power. You remember the story of the disciples? Remember that Jesus went up the mountain, got transfigured? And he came down and they, the disciples were in a bit of a panic because they tried to cast a demon out of that boy. He was throwing himself into the fire and having fits. And they tried to cast a demon out and nothing happened. And Jesus waltzes up and just says, come out of him. And the boy gets set free. And the disciples are saying, whoa, what happened there? And, they, and they're asking Jesus, what happened? How come we couldn't cast the demon out? And Jesus was very blunt. He said, simply because of your lack of faith. 
Now, we don't like that, do we? But that's the reality. It must have rocked them back on their feet because here they were like, whoo, you know, we're the, we're the men of faith and power. And suddenly this demon you know, is boy and they tried to cast it out. Nothing happened. And the crowd was gathering and the father was getting upset. How come your disciples could cast out this demon? And Jesus just cast the demon out. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you been in that situation? I have. They ask you to pray for someone, nothing happens. <laughs> and it's like, oh my goodness, you just feel so hopeless. I remember a case just not long ago, I was in Indonesia, Manada, and they brought me this, they, this, these parents brought their son who had, I don't know if he's been on drugs, but he was like out of it. He was like, I think he'd blown his mind on drugs. I don't know, anyway, but he, they asked me to pray for him. And I knew he was demonized, nothing happened. It's like you pray, like, oh man, it's like, is everyone expecting something to happen? It's like, like dead as anything, just praying away, pray all your prayers, you know, I'll oh, pray away. It's like nothing happened. You think, oh man, you feel so hopeless. But you know, Jesus was very blunt. He just said, you couldn't do it because you have unbelief. You didn't have the faith. And that's the reality in our lives. We have to face that. Sometimes we just, it's our unbelief and our lack of faith. That's the bottom line. We make excuses said, oh, the person's not ready. We, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know. But often it's just our own unbelief and our own lack of faith. And, but the thing is that God wants us to grow in faith because he has come to set people free. And we need to be able to move in that realm. But you see, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing you do, but it's learning to be open to the Holy Spirit, it's learning to it's developing that relationship with the Holy Spirit where we can learn to move in that realm the Holy Spirit is the spirit of power but it's power to set others free not to build our ego or even our ministry we all would like to have the power, wouldn't we whoa, whoa, we all want power but could we handle it can our character even handle it if God gave you that sort of power like that, most of us would go, would go to our heads. Right? We couldn't cope with it. Our character couldn't even cope with it. I remember testimony of our friend Mel Maloney. He talks about went to Indonesia, and he went to Indonesia, and the day he arrived in an encounter with the Lord, before he flew to Indonesia, God just turned up in his room and the moment he arrived in Indonesia there was just signs and wonders and miracles for three years but he said at the end he got quite scared because there was so much power that it was like he said you start getting not proud but he says like it gets quite scary because people were just getting delivered, healed I mean full on miracles the whole time and he said one meeting he preached and he and um, they asked for an altar call and there was another pastor he said but the whole meeting everybody rushed Mel and he said as soon as he put his hand up people started falling down and getting healed and delivered and they were trying to grab and pull his hair take his touch his clothes and he got really scared because they were just like going to absolutely just going to flatten him and the Holy Spirit just spoke to him he said don't worry about this is what they did to me but he said he got really scared because there was so much power that he said it was hard to keep humble. And you see, that's like, that's the thing. You know, we talk about that sort of power, but you imagine having that sort of ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit to that degree. I mean, some of the miracles that Mel saw were just like full on. Like he talked about going into the hospital and, the whole hospital got shaken one meeting because he went to a place and there was a a girl in the room. Just tell this story because it was quite. Remember, he used to tell me these stories. They go, Whoa, that's like like the Book of Acts. He walked in the room and there was a girl there. I think she had. Um, that's right. She had um, fallen off her bike and landed in a, in a canal full of sewage, and the spokes had gone into her lungs, and she was on a table, and um, so he prayed for her. And she got instantly healed, just instantly. 
said all the nurses started running around, running around, going crazy. Her parents were standing outside the door. They were Muslims. He brought them in. He said to them, to lead them to Jesus, but they just fell on the side of the floor on their knees and started wailing and weeping. He said to, the, said to, his, intercessor, um, to his interpreter, lead them to Jesus. So they led them to Jesus, and the nurses were running around, oh! and there was two other Muslims outside, and they said, come, come, come with us. And so he went with them to another room, and their daughter was on the bed, and she had diphtheria, and they had tubes in her throat. They have to cut the throat open, I think, and they stuck tubes in her throat. And Mel just said to the interpreter, raise your hands. And they raised their hands and began to praise the Lord. And the Spirit of God just fell. She gave three deep breaths, instantly healed. The parents were Muslims as well. They just fell on their knees and started crying out to Jesus. And he said, lead them to the Lord, to the interpreter. They said the nurses are running around. The whole hospital just got, like just got, and he said, but it was overwhelming. He said, like, how do you handle that? Because it's like, when that begins to happen to that level, it's hard to keep humble. And so he really struggled. He said, man, he said, it's like, it sounds good, but it's scary. And so we talk about power, but the reality is if God came with that measure, if the Holy Spirit came with that sort of power, how would we cope? For many of us, it would go to our heads, right? We'd think we're Superman or something. <laughs> but you see, but that's the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he comes with power because he is a God of war. He comes to set people free. And then it says there, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, and he's also the spirit of knowledge. Jesus knows, or Jesus knew everything, knows everything. He knows our hearts. He knows all the facts. Remember the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit? We've talked about that. They are the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge, spirit of the nine gifts anyway, right? But knowledge, a spirit of, or the a gift of knowledge, it's when you get information because we've seen it here operate, where someone will just have a word of knowledge about someone. That's the Holy Spirit because he reveals things that he may begin to touch people and bring healing. Remember Jesus at the woman of the well in Samaria? He had a word of knowledge. He said, I know it's not your husband. You've had seven husbands, five husbands. And it opened her heart up so that she could receive what he had for her. Jesus moved in the spirit of knowledge because he had the Holy Spirit, the spirit of knowledge upon him. And remember one stage he had the multitudes around him and he said he would not entrust himself to them because he knew their hearts. See, he had supernatural knowledge. Remember times that Jesus knew what people were thinking. You read the Gospels over and over again. He said he knew what they were thinking. What was that? That's the spirit of knowledge. He knew what people were thinking. He knew what people were thinking before they even said it because the Holy Spirit would reveal to him. And if you get high-level prophets, they're a bit like that. They're, they're, you get some high-level prophets who will know your conversation. There was a prophet, and he's dead now, but he was like that. He would, he would say, oh, I saw you last night, and you were talking to your wife, and this was a conversation you had in bed last night. Dun, 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 he'd rattle off the conversation, word for word. That's like knowledge. The Holy Spirit's the one who reveals that because he wants to bring healing. He wants to do something in their lives. But when you get a high-level prophet, it's like they know what you're even thinking. We had one, Jill Austin, she's like a prophetess, but she's passed away. She came to our house, and it was quite scary because you want to look at it because she'd almost read your mail. She would just like, she would know what you're thinking. She'd know what your thoughts were. And say, so sit in heaven, and you go, oh, it's like, don't look at me. It's like, because she, can, she was so prophetic that she could actually know what you're thinking, know things about you that, and because that was the spirit of knowledge operating. And a lot of you work have a spirit of knowledge here, you know, especially in the area of healing. You'll be somewhere and you'll just know someone, that person's got this. And you speak it out and it's correct because that's the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus operated that imperfectly. He, he operated that at a high level because that was the Holy Spirit. But you can develop that because... He wants us to be able to set people free. 
The last one there is quite interesting. He says, and he had the spirit, I didn't realize this before, and he had the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I didn't realize that, that the fear of the Lord is actually the function of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the fear of the Lord. And it says there, if you read on, it says that and Jesus will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord means it's a place of submission, respect, and honor to God. His delight was in the fear of the Lord. One thing that's probably lacking in the church today in the West is the fear of the Lord. A reverential fear of the Lord. I've only, I mean, I, some people have more than others. Different cultures have more than others. I think Pacific Islanders understand the fear of the Lord more than Western cultures. But one of the signs of the last days is there'll be a lack of fear of the Lord. It's a reverential fear of the Lord. But that's the Holy Spirit, that's the one that reveals, that brings that. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will come and he'll bring the fear of the Lord. I've only experienced that once, it was in a John Wimber meeting, and it was like, a, it was a fear of the Lord because there was such raw power of God, and it was like, it was just like, whoa, you don't want to be touching that. That's like, the only other time I felt it was Benny Hinn. People criticize Benny, but I tell you what, don't touch him because we went to his meeting. I tell you what, the anointing around that guy was like, it was terrifying. It's like, as soon as we got near him, we started trembling like this. And it was like, oh my goodness, we're in, we're in the presence of something far greater. This is, this, is not, this is not Benny Hinn. It was the spirit of the Holy Spirit. It was the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And I tell you what, you were scared in a healthy way, not a bad way. It's like, oh my goodness. And so that's why I always get scared when people criticize other ministries like that because you're touching something you don't know anything about. Careful. Very careful how you criticize other ministries. Because you go to some of Benny Hinn's ministries, that's one thing that's, you'll see in his meetings is there's a fear of the Lord. There's something on him and you can't get near him. You couldn't get on the stage because there was such a presence like it was surrounded him. And as soon as you got in, in the vicinity of him, you just got bowled over. You couldn't even stand. You couldn't get near him. And it's like, that, that's, that's the fear of the Lord. Like, oh my goodness, I'm, there's something here that's, it's, it's the Lord. It's like, don't mess with this. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives the spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's interesting, isn't it? I didn't notice that before. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's a reverential fear. Don't touch, don't mess about with this. But the thing about this is that Jesus had the sevenfold manifestation of the Holy Spirit on him in full measure. So you just read the Gospels. When you read through the Gospels, you'll see all these things operating in the fullness of who they were because Jesus was in perfect submission to the Father. He was in perfect submission to the Holy Spirit. And so he never grieved the Holy Spirit. He walked in absolute obedience, and he was sinless. See, we are, often, you know, we still sin, but it's more than that. We don't walk in obedience as we think we do. We have spits and starts, but we don't walk in perfect obedience. Because I could go around this room and ask you how many times have you known the Holy Spirit spoken to you, and you've never been obedient. You know, it's like he's spoken, but you haven't actually done it. Or you've shied away, or you just missed it, or you're just not sensitive enough. But we can be a friend of the Holy Spirit. See, when we see the Spirit of the Lord at work, it should look like the ministry and the nature of Jesus. And just in closing, if we're going to be effective servants of Christ then we better learn how to have Christ dwell us through the Spirit of God. We are to walk and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that anointed Jesus is the same Spirit that dwells within us. That is why we're called Christians. Christian literally means anointed ones. Did you know that you are a Christian? You are an anointed one. 
You're anointed by the Holy Spirit. Interesting, isn't it? You might not feel like it, but you are. If you call yourself a Christian this morning, you are an anointed one. The Holy Spirit is the person that you can get to know and to trust and to be obedient to. The sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit is manifest in the anointing that empowers the believer for every aspect of life. My prayer for all of us is that, we will, is that he will introduce himself to you. And you might be thinking, well, how do I know when I meet him? Trust me, you will know when you meet him. <laughs> because there's nobody like him. And he wants us to have encounters with him. That's the incredible thing. The Holy Spirit is available to every single person. Is that we just have to want him enough. We have to begin to ask him to come. We need to say, Lord, I want to know you. Ask the Holy Spirit, would you be my friend? Invite him into your devotional life. I read a book the other day. It was quite interesting. He's got an amazing ministry, but he, he talks about how did he get to that place. And he said he began to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he said, what did he do? He just started every morning. He would sit there in his quiet time, and he'd have a chair there. And he would just begin to imagine. He'd say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're sitting in that chair right there with me. And he just began to talk to the Holy Spirit. And he just began to imagine the Holy Spirit was sitting right there in the chair. And it, it, nothing happened for ages, but he said, one day it's like the Holy Spirit just turned up. <laughs> and because he began to hunger for that, he said, Holy Spirit, I want to know you as my friend. Will you be my friend? Because that's the key. He wants our friendship. He wants our intimacy. Because he's easily grieved. And he just doesn't turn up. He has to be invited. He has to be yearned for. He has to be wanted. He wants to be welcomed. And often we talk about that here. We have to learn to welcome the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to flow with what he's doing. Every meeting, you see, it's interesting. Every meeting, the Holy Spirit's here, but he has different ways he wants to move. And often we just miss it because we don't, we're not sensitive enough to know what he's doing. He comes in different ways. Sometimes he can come with healing. Sometimes he can come with deliverance. Sometimes he can come all sorts of different ways. But many times we're just not sensitive enough to pick up what he's doing. Lonnie Frisbee always said that. He said, every time we meet together, there's a move of God. 99%, 99 of the times we miss it because we're just not sensitive enough. Because he's always here. But we just don't pick it up. We don't give him time. We're not sensitive enough. And so my heart is that you would begin to ask, just simply ask, Holy Spirit, you'd come and fill me afresh, that you'd be my friend. So can I be your friend? I want to know your voice. I want to know how to move with you. I want to know your ways. Make me sensitive. But the key is also you have to be obedient. Because he'll begin to ask you, he'll begin to ask you to do things that like, ooh, I don't want to do that. Like, go and pray for that person. <gasps> oh, praying for that person. But when he comes, you'll know, because there's nobody like him. He's extraordinary. He's absolutely extraordinary. He's more enthusiastically in love with you than you are with him. He's incredibly beautiful. He's incredibly majestic. One of the keys of living your Christian life is to be overwhelmed and overawed by who he is. See, we lose that, don't we? We lose that in their lives, don't we? That sense of, ah, oh, he's here. That sense of oh, the Holy Spirit. Just that sense of awe. That sense of just being overwhelmed by who he is. That he can just come and move any way he wants. He can direct our lives whatever way he wants. It's, it doesn't come by trying, it doesn't come by striving. I've said this before, we can't make the Holy Spirit do anything. It comes by yielding and surrendering. He's looking for yielded, surrendered vessels. The more we surrender to him, the more he will come. The more we are obedient to him, the more he will come, the more he will give you. See, if he has come to you and you just did disobedient, he, he just so well, if you're not going to be obedient, I'm not going to bother. And the more he comes, the more he requires obedience. Because in the end, it's just being obedient. 
And he'll, it's obedient to those promptings and say, okay, I'll do that. Let's do this. Listen. Invite him. So my prayer is that you begin to invite him in your own life. But what's even more amazing in closing is that when he comes, he comes to make Jesus more real to you. That's the thing. When the Holy Spirit comes, that's what John Wimber used to always say in his meetings. He'd say, well, I don't know if it's what's happening here, but if they get off the ground loving Jesus more, that's good enough for me. You see, when there's a move of the Holy Spirit, the key is they will get off the ground, whatever's happened, they will love Jesus more. They'll love the Word of God more. They want to witness. They want to testify. That's the key because the Holy Spirit comes to make Jesus more real. And so that's a true move of the Spirit. People will just fall in love with Jesus more. Innocent, isn't it? And so John Wimber always said, that was he always said, criticized. I don't know. Still be on the floor doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I don't know. Let's wait and see. If they get off the floor and love Jesus more and they read the Word more and they want to witness more, well, that's good enough for me. That's the Holy Spirit because that's His job. He makes Jesus more real. Jesus becomes the center. And that's consistent with the prayer by Paul in Ephesians. I keep on asking that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation that you may know Jesus more. That God would open the eyes of your heart. If that's a prayer, that's a prayer in season. Begin to say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to be your, would you be my friend? Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I may know Jesus more. Open the eyes of my heart. In other words, remove the veil. Remove the thing off my heart, the blindness, that I may be sensitive to you, Holy Spirit, that I may know you, Holy Spirit, that I may be filled with you. And begin to pray that way and begin to welcome him. You have to welcome him. Every time to come together, just realize he's a person. Maybe we'll look at that some other time, but, you know, you can grieve him quite easily. Sometimes we just ignore them because it might disrupt our service. It might disrupt our lives if he comes. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit comes, it disrupts your life because it brings everything into a different order. But wow, that's exciting, isn't it? It's like, he's say, come and mess us up. Just come and, whoa, whoa. But sometimes he's just a gentleman, he waits. Sometimes he'll come with a gentle, gentle, Nudge, other times you'll come like a whoosh, just like, gives you like a smack. I mean, I've seen people fly across chairs about four rows. Whoosh, comes with power and he just blows. Sometimes he can come like that, like, a, like he's like, whoa, look out. He's coming like a mighty rushing wind. Other times it's just a gentle, like a breeze. It's peace. You just sense him, sometimes you just sense him settling on you. He comes all sorts of different ways. But we need to be people that invite him. Get past ourselves and just focus on him. So let's stand, shall we, this morning. I hope that helps. Read some good books on it. I mean, one of the best books is Benny Hinn's book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. One of the best books you can buy. Um... Um, they read the Bible, she says, yes, yeah, true. But in other words, developing that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he will just come into your room and disrupt you. And you think, what the heck's that? Sometimes he'll come in your room, you need just to stay there. Don't rush it. Isn't it funny? But sometimes the Holy Spirit comes, you want to, oh, let's move on, let's move on. It's like, oh, it's getting a bit, getting a bit scary. No, just... Come more, just more, Lord. Just come and do what you want to do. So let's just pray for you. I just want to pray, really. Father, thank you that we talk about the Holy Spirit. We we thank you that you've given the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge you first of all, Holy Spirit, that you're God. You're no less than the Father. You're no less than the Son. You are the person of the Holy Spirit. You were there at the beginning of creation. It says the Spirit of God brooded over the earth. So you were there at the beginning of creation itself. You've always been there with the Father and the Son in the very beginning. You've always existed. 
and you're in unity with the Father and the Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When you come, you point everything to Jesus. You make Jesus more real. Thank you that you've breathed the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would, my prayers for Southside, that you would awaken our hearts, that we begin to hunger for a friendship with the Holy Spirit. We ask you to forgive us the times that we've grieved you. Even the times that when you've come and we thought, is that really you? We've even questioned it or even accused you of being a demonic thing. We ask for your forgiveness the times that you've, you know, we've, we know that you've spoken to us, but we just haven't been obedient. We've dismissed it. We've shrugged it off, or we just haven't, we haven't actually been obedient even to the little promptings of the Holy Spirit. Forgive us. Forgive us the times that you've given even the gifts of the Spirit and we haven't stepped out because we've been too frightened. You've given us words of knowledge and you've given us words of wisdom. You've given us, some of you ha- even have had pictures and visions, but you've, and you know you're supposed to speak them, but you've kept them to yourself. Forgive us. I ask that you teach us what it means to be a friend. That you would be our friend. That we would be totally yielded and surrendered to you. I ask for the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. That we may know you better. Because that's when it all comes down to Holy Spirit. You would take all that Jesus is and make him, make him real inside our hearts. That he would become more real every day because... Holy Spirit, that's your job. So I welcome you, Holy Spirit, this morning. Just begin to invite him. Just pray some of those prayers. Say, Holy Spirit. Might, some of you might seem quite strange, but say, Holy Spirit, could, I, could you be my friend? Could you fill me afresh? Even pray some dangerous stuff. Say, Lord, come and mess me up. <laughs> Come and just mess me up with your presence. Sometimes it's good to pray dangerous prayers. So just begin to do that, right? Begin to engage because he's here. You see many times we're just not, we just don't respond. Let's just wait a minute. Just wait. Just, just give him time, okay? Sometimes he needs, we just have to give him time. Holy Spirit, we give you time. I pray that you begin to breathe upon those that are dry and thirsty. Well, those that are weary, you would come and bring refreshing. Well, those that are weary and dry, and it feels like, oh, I'm still so dry. Holy Spirit, you come. It says, come and drink from the living waters. It's an invitation. Come, all of you are thirsty, and they'll give you a drink. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and fill the thirsty. Fill them with the reality of who you are. Surprise them with your power. Surprise them with your presence. Meet them in their rooms and their homes. Meet with them as they lay in bed at night. Visit them. Visit them in the car. Visit them at work. Overwhelm them with your beauty and your majesty. Overwhelm them. They will be overwhelmed with your majesty, your beauty, and your splendor. That we may know Jesus better. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't make it happen. Only you can come. Open the eyes of our hearts, I pray. If you want prayer, we'll pray for people. I'm not going to force it because people are going to have to really want it. If you want us to pray for you, anything I've spoken to you about this morning, I just have sort of like a word of knowledge. I think it is anyway, but someone's got like a, it's like a band across your head. I don't know if it's even a headache that much, but it might be, but it's like a band. It's like something's 
you know, like something sitting on here. Is anyone like that this morning? You just feel like something sitting across your head. Might be wrong, but it was someone, is that you? I'd love to pray for you, okay? Just like it's, it's like a, okay. Okay. Is there any other words of knowledge? I just have the word come home. Maybe there is one or two of you that need to come back home to Jesus. He never shut the door. You may have made the grossest mistakes, disappointed with him. I just, I just keep hearing that. Come home. Just come home. And if it's you, I just want to invite you to come. Just, we will pray with you. That's you. We just love to pray with you. Maybe you just need to surrender your life to Jesus afresh. I don't know, but that's you just come forward we'll pray for you okay anyone else I just had a word about um, overwhelming anxiety I remember many years ago the Lord delivered me from the spirit of fear but I really would love to pray for anyone who you know anxiety is becoming overwhelming and paralyzing and just come and God will want to touch you this morning you in anxiety don't be you know, this is a time when because often the key is just responding to the holy spirit so that when holy spirit speaks is because he wants us to respond that's for me he's a gentleman you can sit there and say no nah, i'm not going to come forward that's fine but the thing is it's the holy spirit you see it's he he's a gentleman often he will just wants to keep inviting us and come on he woos us in a sense 